Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That play worked for you in real estate. What's that? Get the sucker thinking with his little head, not his big one. <laughs> There's that famous Celtic defense. No. Come on. You're a student of the game, I take it. Yeah. Look, Red, I know I'm still the freshman of the class, and you're the big man on campus. I get that. I respect it. But I wanted to meet because I'm asking for your help. I'm trying to build something out here, like you built Boston, like a real dynasty. And frankly, I think that would be good for the league. <laughs> what? <laughs> you think you're the guy to do that, do you? Well, I wouldn't count me out. You strike me as a happy man. You only get so many summers, right? Then here's my advice. Okay. Enjoy this thing. Milk it. For the nookie, for the attention. Leave the dynasties to me. Come on now, Red. You afraid of competition? <laughs> no. <laughs> I live for competition. But you're no competitor. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just not who you are. It's not your nature. You know, Red, we just met. <clears throat> so, you don't know me. But I grew up dirt poor mm. on bread lines. Made all the money in the world. And you think you can buy this, too? No. I think I can win this. <laughs> Championships on one. They're taken. By men like me who cut your heart out and still sleep like a baby for one more banner in the rafters. Because I don't want to win. I need to. All right, we're back. Final thoughts. Uh, you probably have an idea of where I'm going. You heard the clip uh, with uh, John C. Riley talking to the commish who plays Red Orback. In winning time. And before I get to that, I, I don't want everybody to like send me hate mail and freak out. I never said that Shohei Otani is a bad starting pitcher. But I wanted you to know that when he when he's on the market, the way I look at him is obviously as a two-way player. But I think his value is at the age of 28 on a contract that could span you know, 10 years and $60 million a year plus. The likelihood of him pitching for the large chunk of that contract, it's not great. And I think long-term, you have to ask yourself, yes, I know he's DH, but he plays every day. 
and the DH spot takes away some wear and tear by not playing the field. But every day he's you know he's he's playing at this high level and learn you know adjusting to the league and pitching and his body as time goes on. You have to think that there's going to be more injuries with pitching wise. I know he had Tommy John surgery already. Uh, you look at his numbers this year; they're good, but you know outside of his hot start in April, he's been spotty. You know, for as many six innings, one run type of games he's had, he said four or five innings, four or five runs. Look at his game log. And that's not taken away from the season he's had. He's the best player in the sport. He plays both. I mean, Babe Ruth is the only other comparison to what he's doing. I mean, maybe he's not top of the rotation like Babe Ruth was comparably in his era. But, you know, he's still a solid number two at the worst case scenario. Or floor number three. That gives you number one, and I think that's probably harsh. I think when, in context of the entire contract that has that that could be coming up, I'm not sure Otani lives up to the hype on the pitching side as much as he does on the offensive side, because his offense has jumped to the next level, to like the Barry Bonds level, pre steroids, of course, elite, 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 elite level, 180 OPS plus. When you start getting that Aaron Judge area at 180, 200 OPS plus, double the league average, that's incredibly, that's greatness. So his offense has gotten better. His pitching has been always very good, but I've always felt that as an offensive player, that's where his game is. And 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 the value as a pitcher is, yeah, he's a very good pitcher and he could be there. And, and, and yes, he would be a top of the rotation candidate, but I feel like the the consistency of that top of rotation performance may not be at the same level as his offense. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm not knocking uh, Otani at all. We'll have way more time to talk about that. And, you know, who knows what happens between now and the end of the year. And, look, we've never really seen Otani in a big pennant race, unfortunately, for him between injuries and, and playing for Anaheim and what transpired there when Billy Uppler was there all the way now to Perry Manizen. I mean, it just, it just didn't work out. So... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, it'll be interesting. So you heard me play the clip with John C. Riley and, and playing Dr. Jerry Buss, and I'm a big fan of the NBA. You guys know that, and Winning Time. But as I've been watching Winning Time, rewatched the first season, enjoying a couple of episodes of the second season, I, and I think it's great. And it's not historically accurate. It's taken a lot of Perlman's book about the Showtime Lakers and trying to add artistic license for entertainment purposes. And obviously you're trying to put a product out that's not just for the hardcore sports fan or the hardcore NBA fan. You want to pull in people that could appreciate the sport but want to be entertained and want to learn about what that era is all about and be entertained. So let's put that aside. But one of the things, if you read the book by Perlman and you go back in history to the Lakers where they're at and what you're seeing with the Mets with Cohen. Now, I'm not suggesting Cohen is this guy that's going around town wearing jeans, hanging out at Hugh Hefner's Playboy Mansion. There's... No similarities between the people. I mean, Cohen is a family man. He's got, you know, his his father-in-law who's 92, throwing out the first pitch. His wife 
is meeting fans and giving them upgrades. I mean, they seem like a really, and I've heard they're really good people to work for. You know, he's, as much as they say he's Bobby Axelrod, and I'm sure he's that guy in the boardroom. He's a shark. You don't get to where you get in Steve Cohen's world without being that. The thing that I take in terms of the analogy is that Dr. Buss, if you see that in that show, really loves the team. Now, he spends money, he leverages himself, and not only does he love the team, he wants the team to win, but he wants the league to succeed and become different. Now, baseball's at a different point in its arc than where the NBA was. However, I think the New York Mets, and I've said this, are at real inflection point in their history because they haven't won since 86. They have this yoke of failure that we've talked about a billion times, and it's been built on a narrative of losing, laugh-out-loud Mets, lovable losers, Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football, all this stuff. And I really think Cohen is here to bring his version of what Showtime could be to City Field, whether it be building up the area around what a casino and a soccer stadium and turning it into uh, you know, a destination for those in Queens and all over, you know, people who are interested in different things, you know, especially with how ethnically diverse Queens is. I mean, soccer, so- soccer stadium is brilliant. Marketing, you know, if you drive down Queens Boulevard, you could see Spanish marketing, you know, uh, on different uh, Mets-related sponsorships. Makes tons of sense in that area. Um, you know, bringing in stars, locking up the young stars, having an exciting team, maybe with guys like Gilbert and Acuna and bringing Pete back long-term. And who knows, this whole Far East concept, pulling in a whole new fan base and marketing the team 24 hours away and in a whole other country. I mean, think about it. The Mets could become Japan's team. So when I hear some of the, you know, when I watch, actually, not here, when I watch this, I kind of think, you know, Steve Cohen is trying to transform the New York Mets in that way. And maybe part of that, if this is indeed the plan, all the reports that we hear, this Far East connection, part of that could be marketing the sport. Now, baseball's already popular in Japan, but wouldn't it be cool if the Mets became this international figure, so to speak, or team? And they go to London next summer. You know, there's a, we learned through this show there's a huge contingent of Mets fans in the UK. I mean, that's going to be a cool experience. Imagine them going out there with these Japanese pitchers, with possibly Otani. You know, think about how exciting that would be as the Mets are becoming a global brand in a world that really knows no borders anymore. I think it would be fun. And they'd be beating the Yankees to it. And it would be Cohen's wallet, Cohen's push to be great, Cohen's push to dispel narratives about the team. And you see the Red Orback character... I always think of him as the commish, by the way, you know, um, and you see that as the league who really does not want Cohen to move forward because it would push them to push their accountability to the red line. It would make them, their players question their ownership groups about how committed they are. And anytime somebody who comes into the club with new and big ideas and wants to make changes, you know. You always, uh, you always get pushback from the status quo. So I leave you off with that thought, the thought about the Mets and where they're going and how exciting it could still be. I know that we had a couple of rough weeks around here after the deadline, 
especially at how badly things turned out this season. And then you see Scherzer over there starting around into form in Texas and Verlander, despite not really putting up great numbers, winning games in Houston and Pham hitting out in Arizona. And, you know, you got Zach Wheeler still pitching for a team in, uh, like the Phillies at the top of the rotation that are going to try to get into the tournament and, and repeat as uh, NL champions. The Braves come in and score 21 runs off of uh, the Mets in a doubleheader, and you're just like, you never felt further away like we talked about from a championship. But there's still a lot to be excited about. And the fact that you have some reporting around the fact that the Mets, although they're not going to be necessarily going all in for the Scherzers of the world or the next Scherzer of the world, they might be more cautious about it. They're not ready to retreat and go into the tankaroo mode like the Astros or the Cubs did. And who knows? If Japan is an option, they may be able to revolutionize the sport in a way we've never seen before by having this Far East rotation and having this global brand that perhaps transcends just New York and New York being this hub of multicultural melting pot. I mean, it's a perfect storm. It's the perfect, it's even more perfect than the Yankees. The Yankees are like Rockefeller. They're like standard, you know, they're standard, they're history. We know the pinstripes. The pinstripes are cracking. The Mets could be more inclusive the Mets could be more fun. The Mets could be the ne- the next version of New York baseball. It's there for them. And it's just a matter of them making the right decisions. And maybe they've already started doing that with the teardown or the modified teardown. Now it's about picking the right stars, whether it's these Japanese stars or these kids coming up. Or maybe there's something completely else that's in their plans that we're not even privy to, of course. So when I watch Winning Time, and when you possibly, and if you haven't, you really should, even if you're not an NBA fan, because it's a lot of fun. Maybe there's some similarities between the Lakers of the early 80s, very loose, and the current New York Mets. Of course, it'd be nice if Cohen had won a championship his first year, like Dr. Buss won in 1980 with the Lakers. But uh, when Steve Cohen took over, there was no Magic Johnson and no Kareem here. Two elite Hall of Fame players at critical positions. And an NBA team is way different, and winning in the NBA is way different than winning in Major League Baseball. But anyway, wanted to end on that note, something to think about. Gave you some things to think about today. That's what we're doing here at this show. We're trying to have some fun. We're trying to get through dog days of August. We're trying to get through extended garbage time. Giving you things to think about as we start to set up the offseason. Taking a retreat back, taking a pause, still trying to enjoy baseball, trying to enjoy some winning. It's important to win, like I said, not to tank, to win. Because you want to keep a positive environment and show us a lot about some players on this team. They could win some ball games. Still think they're ticketed for 90 losses because they're pitching. But who knows? You know, maybe they have a little bit of fight left in them. Maybe some of these guys fighting for their baseball lives. Put up some numbers, albeit maybe for a short span of time. And, uh, you know, maybe they don't finish 500, but maybe they make things a little bit more interesting than we could even think. So, anyway, I want to thank everybody for joining me on this latest edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, talkingmetsnog. And of course, I want to thank the good folks at the Fan Sided Podcasting Network for sponsoring the show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets.
but the 